passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our post-show for WWE Stomping Grounds. I am John Pollock, along with Wei Ting, here with you for the next three-plus hours. Three plus hours? Yes. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, we're going to go move by move. We'll do a deep dive on, on the show. Every every last thematical uh, portion of this pay-per-view is going to be <sighs> broken down f- into great fine detail. Every atom will be exposed that came out of tonight's wrestling at the Tacoma Dome. Why stop at three? Let's go five or... Till Raw. 24 hours. What if we just never stopped? Who would give up first? I uh, would give up first. I think our bodies would, that ultimately. That is possible. Yes. Yeah. How are you doing? Doing okay. Uh, more important question, though, is how are you doing after that Aqua show last okay. night? Well, I'm going to give an explanation to this. My honest answer is I do not know how I'm doing. I went to the concert on Saturday. It, it was a fun time. I'm not going to put it at the level of the the Aqua concert from September, which really was the, the one-night stand of all... I, I'm referring to the pay-per-view one-night stand uh-huh. of uh, Aqua concerts. And this... This felt closer to um, ECW on Sci-Fi in some respects. That bad? No, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. It just I I knew going in, it's not going to capture the uh, the same level of enthusiasm of seeing Aqua the, for the first time ever after yeah. twenty years of being familiar with their music. So, and a lot of the groups were ones that were on that show in September. So I understood there was going to be a certain repeat factor that was going to be different. There were way more people at this concert. It. If you're not familiar, I had never heard of this place before, and I realized why. It was called Interchange Park, and I assumed I'm going to some random field out in Vaughan, Ontario. What we arrived at was an enormous parking lot that used to be the parking lot for an AMC theater, but has been converted into this entertainment space for the summer with a giant stage and tons of room. Like no one would, it was tons of people, but never did it feel super crowded. Uh, It was full of food carts and places to buy drinks, lots of washrooms, which is pretty good in a seven plus hour event that this was. So the setup was really cool. And they've been doing these weekly fests Last week was Burger Fest, and there is a wrestling tie-in because I guess they're working with Destiny Wrestling to to have a wrestling component as part of this, and 
this week they just threw a lot of local guys on. I think the the most prominent would have been um, Aiden Prince or uh, Grisinder Singh, who you've seen in Impact in some roles. But last weekend at this Burger Fest, they brought in Joey Janela to take on Josh Alexander uh, on the wrestling portion, and they're doing a bunch of these over the next few weeks. DJ Polly D from Jersey Shore is doing his own thing in a few weeks. There's wow. A guy from Game of Thrones who is also, I guess, a DJ. I don't know his name, but he's doing something. So they're doing all these different fests. And I cannot imagine that they are not cleaning up with what they are making here. It's These tickets were 70 to 80 bucks to get in. And then they kept the alcohol relatively cheap. I'll say relatively. Like $10 for me to me for a beer was less than I was expecting to have to pay Jeez. for a beer at this place. Oh man. Yeah. Like you go to the Scotiabank Arena. Yeah. What are you dropping? $18 on a beer That's typically? Crazy. That's what I was expecting at this place. And so anyway, that hmm. was kind of the setup for this thing, but it's in like they had a ton of people at this thing. So Prozac played I love Prozac back in September. This one, it just, they were on first and it was just kind of a, it was okay. Hmm. Right said Fred. I don't know why Right said Fred was on this. Are you familiar with Right said Fred? Well, yeah, they're one song. Exactly. Yeah. And even, it's not even that big a song to me. It was before my time. I think you and I were six or seven when that song came out. Yeah, yeah. So it really doesn't hold any kind of um, nostalgic. uh, value to me. It was like, I mean, it's as big as Wigfield to me. It was treated like intermission because they were on, I think, third of the. How groups. long did Red Said Fred play? How many songs did Red Said Fred play? Dude, like six. That okay. many? And that's five too many. He, there's a certain level you reach in your career when you're Right Said Fred and you say to yourself, I've got to do 45 minutes. So you know what? We're going to do a cover of Bloodhound Gang. Oh, God. I don't. That's weird. It was weird. He's probably way older than those guys, you know, to do a cover of like a band that came out after you. What yeah. song? They did the Bad Touch. That's so weird. The that's one. like that's him trying to like he's like I a guess, one hit wonder doing a cover of a one hit wonder. So I guess this show is kind of really centered around like late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, and he to me was out of the demographic. He's more like early nineties nostalgia, early and 90s. so he to try to get to fit into the bill. He that's just sad. It was that's just no sad. one was really into it. I will say. So S Club Party was the one I was going to be most interested for because, like, the, everyone knows S Club 7. But I everyone I didn't really put them at, like, a high level in terms of being so appealing. And I was totally wrong because everyone went nuts. And oh, it's yeah. only the three of them. It's three of the seven. Oh, who are the three? Can you name them? Uh, I think one. No, I can't name any of them. I okay. can't. But they came out and. Is three a party? Uh, it was funny because they do, they did this slow song and it was so much like, this was clearly just, well, what did the Spice Girls do? And we did our slow songs. So I made the joke that they should come out with a single called When Seven Become Three. <laughs> uh, but hey, people were so into S Club. S Club was not really my thing, but I could appreciate that these people got really into them. And then in the co-feature, the co-main event were the Venga Boys. When you think of the Venga Boys, what do you think of? John Pollock. Okay. We like to party and boom, boom, boom. They've got two songs. Sure, that too. And again, they had to do 45 minutes. I think they went over their time. They went they went closer to an hour. And in my lifetime, I guarantee you, of any human on earth that is outside of the Venga Boys, nobody 
Nobody has ever said, you know what would be really cool? A slow song from the Venga Boys. It's like, no one is here for a slow song from the Venga Boys. So you had this problem where it's like, you have your two big hits, you're going to sandwich them, and then you're going to, they did, they took from Right Said Fred and decided to do a medley of covers. So they just went from one to the next. They went through Van Halen. They went through like six different songs, but they only spent like 30 seconds per song. And it just kind of felt like we're padding our set to, to get through. And then Aqua came out. They were the closer. At this point, most of these people have been there a long time. We got there around 3.30, about, and they went on at 10. And, I mean, Aqua had a fun set. They did a lot of their hits. and Any different from last time, though? It was a slightly shortened set, but not by much. I think there was maybe one or two songs they did more in September. And it just it just wasn't the same as the September show. So while I can't give this a really like this wasn't a great concert, I had a ton of fun. There were so many people there and it was fun. There were way more people than I thought that were going to be in our group because um, I went. It was like four of us and then one of my friends. His sister and all of her friends came. So we were in like a group of of eight and kind of uh, we're kind of just in a section. I did run into Davey there, uh, but I saw him very briefly. I saw him for about five minutes and then that, that was it. He was off. Who was he there for? I guess we'll hear his review on. I don't know time. who you what the 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 draw was Probably for. Probably S Club is my guess. He was messaging me during the day asking about when's the wrestling going on? When's the wrestling going on? And what wrestling? There was wrestling before the concert. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, I told you the Destiny are involved in this. Oh, I thought that was last week. No, they're they're doing... Well, they were again. They were there again this weekend. Oh, okay, okay. And that's the, Aiden Prince, who I was mentioning. Gotcha. He was in a match, and Grisinder Singh. Um, they did three quick matches, and it was... I mean, it was a very small yeah. portion of the day. It wasn't any gigantic wrestling show. And they were out in the heat having to do these wrestling matches. So, anyway... So it sounds like it, maybe you you had too much aqua over the course of maybe two less less than a year. I feel this was twice, and you know it was funny. It was they came. I want to say it was like second or third week of September. So it was right when yeah. the school year started, and this one was right as the school year ended. It's almost way too much. It's it was probably coming back too soon, but they. They probably drew beyond what they ever imagined because they mm. sold that thing out at Echo Beach in right. September. And I don't think anyone was expecting them to have that kind of – and they probably got paid a lot to come and do this headliner thing again. Like oh, this sure. thing sounds like they have a ton of money to put up these gigantic uh, 90s nostalgia things. They yeah. had Rick the Temp was out there with Tony Monaco, Ed the Sock. I mean it was – Everybody's getting a payday. Everybody was. But going back to this, so – this will make sense to listeners because I've explained my allergy situation this particular season. So midway through this concert, I am like sneezing like no one's business. And I'm just feeling like I've been attacked by I don't know what. And by the end of the night, like I can barely talk. My I'm just so plugged up. And this was annoying for about hours and hours of this concert. I went home and I went to sleep and just slept terribly and thought I've just I've caught a cold that must be it this can't just be allergies I woke up at four in the morning I was like bare I could barely breathe had to go downstairs take some medicine and then throughout the day today it was still bothering me and now that we're speaking I feel like pretty much fine so I don't know humidity I don't know if I'm it could be I don't know um 
Hopefully I you're okay. I, I don't feel sick at all, so I'm hoping it's just allergies because I, it's, nothing is worse than a cold that just drags you down for five days. Get that vitamin C, salt water, gargle. I was worried this sleep. morning. I was like, I don't want to be in, uh, get you sick, uh, but I feel fine now. I don't feel too guilty. Don't worry about me. I should be okay. But then my other friend, Paul, he told me today he felt sick too, so I don't know. Jeez. It's mm-hmm. been going around. I think I almost just... I almost I was around a lot of people well. and yeah. a lot of people who... Got very, very drunk. Just random people that were getting drunk at this thing. That it sounded was, like a good time. It was regardless. a fun time. I had yeah. a great time there with the, the people I was with. And it was still like a fun little and you, event to go and to. And you saw some listeners there even. I did run into a few listeners. Um, uh, Shannon, who uh, came up and said hello to us. Uh, we also had, God, um, Steve, our good friend Steve. Uh, Jamil was there who was uh, an old O'Grady's regular, but I didn't actually get to go see him. But I saw him from a distance. You saw a listener. You literally saw us. But I, I saw, you. yes. Got it. Um, and then there was this individual that I had seen earlier in the day, and he was wearing a Kevin Owens t-shirt. Okay. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then later, him and his group congregated to where I was, and he was standing in front of me for probably a half hour or so. And then he, he leaned over and was like, are you John Pollock? I was like, yes, I am John Pollock. I hope you're having a good time. And spoke to him for a bit, too. But I did not catch his name, so I apologize. Very cool. Yeah, very happy to hear. Thank you for that comprehensive report, man. That was it. I'm done. So you got stomping grounds now. Okay, well, uh, from the Tacoma... I already screwed up. The Tacoma Dome. The Tacoma Dome, the home of the infamous Booker T... Not Booker T. Yes, Booker T versus Buff Bagwell match that pretty much stopped the invasion. Yep. We were returning to to that particular scene. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, before we go into the pay-per-view, I do want to mention one news note um, that was coming out on Sunday. Uh, I just don't want to forget this afterwards. But it looks as though they have made, uh, this past Monday at Raw, during the production meeting, um, this was first reported by Brian Alvarez, and I checked up on it. It is true that they are they have this new edict where there's not going to be wrestling during the commercial breaks on television. And thus we saw, I mean, it makes sense when you hear that after what we saw this week with the two out of three falls matches, elimination matches. And I guess what is your, uh, your thought on this? Because I am someone that have, I have complained about the amount of commercial breaks during matches. So I just don't know how many different ways you can come up with organic breaks to a match without getting too far out there. We'll see how they do it. It's what I assume watching the matches. Like, there's no other explanation for why all of a sudden all these tag matches and all these, you know, were, were either elimination or two out of three falls, except for to awkwardly kind of section them away from commercial breaks. Uh, the fact that they had also mentioned that there was, you know, like prior to the start of a match, people saying like, oh, they took a five minute break before we they started. That kind of stood out to me, too. I think, like like I said on Monday or Tuesday and, and Wednesday, it's thinking way too hard about something like that. Uh, if this is the alternative, I would rather have matches simply go through a commercial break because the way they start and stop these matches and try to, you know, like jam these stipulations into these otherwise kind of meaningless TV matches is incredibly awkward. And I would say by the end of it, it just kind of made the matches themselves feel far less significant. So I don't, I think, I think they're throwing a lot of stuff at the wall and, and seeing if anything sticks. And I feel that this is just one of those things as it was told to me, the idea presented was, well, other sports don't play 
during commercial breaks. So that was the thinking here. Uh, I do want to clarify one thing that I wrote in my update uh, because uh, that's I, so so weird. <laughs> that that logic is just. Yeah, I understand other sports don't play, but you're not another sport. You're my, a professional wrestler. The thing that drives me nuts is when other the, sports also. Sorry to cut you off. Other sports also don't take three minute commercial breaks in between rounds. You know. Like like a UFC fight is a thirty second break in between or, or a minute or it's a, a minute. minute break yeah. in between rounds. Uh, I'm sure basketball is the same way. You know, um, if you, it's incredibly awkward and I think completely goes against what professional wrestling. Maybe we're gonna get timeouts become. instituted. Wrestlers can call timeouts in a match God. and get a, a anyway. three minute timeout. Um, so I asked someone uh, that watches in the U.S. because up here in Canada. We don't get those picture in pictures during SmackDown, which they had been doing. And I, I asked about this. I was like, are they still doing these? And uh, the person I asked, and this is not someone with WWE, just someone that watches the USA Network feed, uh, was just telling me that they do them for two matches on SmackDown each week for usually like meaningless matches. I don't know if those are going to continue or not. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think some people read my thing and thought that those are going to be thrown out. I, I actually don't know if they'll still have to do those because that's a USA Network thing as well where they'll have it picture in picture. The match just continues during the commercial break. So uh, we will see this week if they continue with that. But anyway, it's that was kind of the maybe most interesting news thing coming into the show on Sunday night. And yeah. we got commercial free matches tonight. Well, uh, absolutely, they make a difference. I just don't think this is the solution. That, that was my thing I was going to say. The pet peeve I have is when the baby face will like clear the ring or have the spectacular dive to go to commercial. And then we come back and the heel's in control. And to me, that's a central changing of control in the match that I, I hate when the commercial break, they usually will show the replay of it. But I find that like that's a dramatic turn in the match that you just skip over. You leave and then all of a sudden, here's Kofi Kingston is now uh, fighting from underneath after hitting this spectacular dive. But you're right. It's, it's a very little thing probably in the big picture. But we'll see how it's executed this week and how creative they get I mean, beyond just two out of three falls matches. It's part of a bigger discussion, I think, about just how formulaic WWE-style professional wrestling is. That, you know, in order to kind of fit in those breaks, you you know exactly what's going to happen. You know what part of the match is going to happen. You know what they're going to come back with. Um, and I think that's part of the, the problem. But Could this be anyway. the retirement of Michael Cole announcing that this match will roll on? This match rolls on. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he'll come up with something else. Our next fall will roll on. This show is on pause. (laughs) Go to the bathroom. Yeah. Stomping grounds. Sunday night from the Tacoma Dome. Uh, We start off on the kickoff show with Jonathan Coachman, David Otunga, Charlie Caruso, and Booker T on the panel. Uh, We had several interviews throughout the first half hour. Xavier Woods and Big E were on the panel talking about Kofi Kingston's match and Big E dousing himself with water continuously. And then Daniel Bryan was with Rowan. And this referee walked into the shot. So Brian cut a promo about the referee disrespecting them, walking into their shot. And the two are defending their idea to save the tag division from people like Heavy Machinery. And he was quick to note the athletic merits of Tucker and Otis going over their athletic resumes. And yet they go out and thrust their hips like a bunch of jokes. I thought this was really interesting, the the way they, they did all this. And I would... Not doubt that this probably came about because somebody actually walked into the shot and Brian just ran with it and they decided to use that take because he ended up, as always, being so incredibly passionate off the cuff. So 
I think Brian's just really getting to a point where he's at a different level in terms of a promo. That and the Joe promo prior to this, I think this was like a decent chunk of like, you know, a sampling of like the WWE promos that I think are actually incredibly strong and up there with any other promos. I feel we're exhausting going back to the John Moxley interviews, but it did remind me of the story he had about how long it takes to do these pre-tapes and that if someone walks in, they they yell cut and you've got to start again. Mm-hmm. And he's like, who cares? In real sports, someone will walk in the background. That's what happens. Well, so. it's so funny that they, they would kind of use real sports as an excuse not to wrestle in between matches, yet real sports does so many other things that I feel WWE thinks way too hard about. Maybe Vince McMahon has just started watching ESPN or something, and he's in a real sports kick now. Yeah. Maybe. Um, Anyway, this was a good promo by Brian, and also interesting to note, they did not bother in this promo to try and heal Brian in Tacoma. Mm -hmm. uh, It wouldn't have worked. I don't think it would have worked, and I liked the way they went about it. Not against heavy machinery. Yeah. Shane and Drew were backstage. McIntyre said Roman Reigns was too emotional when he mentioned his family. And that takes us into our kickoff match. Tony Nese, Akira Tozawa, and Drew Gulak for the Cruiserweight title. And this was the start of a pretty hot Tacoma crowd that I thought really assisted in many of the matches. A really hot half of a crowd that was all packed into one side of the arena. Yes. Yeah, it was... um, Uh, I guess, what would you say? It was half because of the set. It was half. I know um, uh, Matt Farmer was there, and he had tweeted out, he estimated about 6,000 people in attendance, which is very low for a pay-per-view. They had actually like put like the drapes up for the whole hard camera side. Yeah, even when the pay-per-view started, I mean, you didn't see the big sweeping pans. It was kind of mm-hmm. just locked onto a, a nice shot of the hard camera side. But if you didn't know any of that, if you weren't following any of that stuff online, they more than got away with it. It's and it sounded, sounded like a loud crowd. It sounded like a full audience with like a really, maybe that's the trick is just to just condense everybody into one section in front of the microphone. Well, or it's, they got the magic man now, Jeremy Borash, who was, you know, I mean, part of that, sure. that impact zone appeal. I mean, remember when you went to the impact zone and you were floored at how small this place is, yeah. that it, they were able to shoot that place and make it look like it was like double what was really, they fit into that mm-hmm. soundstage. Um, so the, they started off, um, they did do a break during the match, but kept it picture in picture here. And first they aired a promo spot for Becky Lynch and Lacey Evans, followed by Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. So you have these two video packages back to back. And in each one, the first is the uh, the Nancy Sinatra knockoff of uh, yeah. the, the boots were made for walking. Mm-hmm. And then the Reigns and McIntyre, both spots feature the kicking ass and taking names tag. Of course. Yeah. And it just felt so... Of course. Annoying when it was both of them together. I could take one video package with the the line in air, but to have two of them back to back. I don't even know what the hell the point was. I mean, other than, yes, I know to use for these little promos. I get it. Um, but I, I thought they would do like a supercut of like everybody who said this over the past uh, two weeks. Like <laughs> Kofi, kicking, Drew. kicking, kicking ass, <laughs> ass, and taking, taking names, names. I mean, I guess this was really the point is to be able to kind of use them in promos like this. Was it worth it? No, because they come off like they're robots. Of course. They're all robots in an assembly line reading their scripts. Like, you can get these guys to to read this in a... Like, you, they had Becky and Lacey actually read the lyrics to, for, to These Boots Are Made For Walking. They didn't have to have them do it in the middle of a promo in order for that thing to work. There was a mouthful in the Extreme Rules um, jargon, whatever, and Corey Graves read it, and he goes to Tom Phillips... 
or Michael Cole, one of them said, that's the last time I'm reading that, <laughs> which was pretty funny. I hope so. I, I guess the tagline for this one, it's it was some longer line, but the, the core slogan is all matches are created equal. All matches are created equal or At, aren't? Are. Are. I thought it was are. So what what's that supposed to mean? All matches are. I don't you know. Sure, it's. You, why don't you look it up while I go through this uh, cruiserweight match? Um, Gulak. Um, first of all, they redid the spot where um, uh, Tozawa first. He uh, first there was a dive, and then Tozawa came off the apron with the uh, the running uh, senton into the barricade that they did on two hundred five live that got a great reaction two weeks ago. Gulak applied the Gulak onto Nice, and that got broken up by another senton from Tozawa. Tozawa was doing a lot of saves here, and when they did the senton save. It, they were zoomed in on Gulak on Nice with the submission. So you yeah. didn't see Tozawa, but you could hear the crowd getting ready for it. And I thought it was like a, a cool angle to do it with. It was really cool. because Although could... if this was real sports, you would show the, the person. <laughs> no, in real sports, I don't think you would. You know, there's a chance that you wouldn't catch if it. If Steph either. Curry was to hit a senton off the, off the basket. Yes. To yes. the floor. Yes. Um, in real sports, an Irish whip wouldn't work. No, this was a. I thought it was a, a nice setup. Oh, it was for really the cool. It was really cool. Uh, nice came back with his moonsault splash off the middle rope onto Gulak again. Tozawa makes the save. Then Nice missed with a 450 onto Gulak, recovered and hit a dude buster onto Gulak, and then Tozawa stopped the cover with a shining wizard, and they did this series of near falls. The audience is with them throughout, and then Nice gets sent off the apron with a flying boot from Tozawa, who then gets hit with the torture rack slam. Drew Gulak pins Tozawa at 11 minutes and 19 seconds. I thought this was a great opener. I thought one of the, one of the best matches on the show tonight. I think it might be my match of the night. Yeah, they they true. had the crowd, great near falls, and they didn't work your typical cruiserweight style in WWE. Like they were definitely more, they definitely had more leeway. It felt like in this match, to yeah, do a lot more. And I I thought this was a great opener. I think it felt like a cruiserweight t- style match you would see in, in a, a New Japan ring or or a PWG. Even though it was a half full arena, like this audience sounded as loud as any reaction I've ever heard in a WWE match. I thought it was very fast, full of counters, uh, over top of other counters. I really like the new Drew Gulak. To me, the Tony Nese run hasn't really caught much attention outside of the division. I'm not really sure if a Drew Gulak run is going to make that much of a difference either, but I think Gulak at least has more potential because he's a bigger personality, and I think he carries a lot more aggression with 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 him right now in this incarnation so. i think it really makes sense that here tony nice didn't take the fall so it builds up a rematch and now it's drew gulak going the polar opposite at extreme rules he's got to he's got to be that that vicious drew gulak i hope they have a match at extreme rules yeah I mean, they probably it's... will i was so like i knew the date of extreme rules but it really didn't dawn on me till they said in three weeks wow. it's like we're coming back in three weeks with another one of these shows by the way it is all matches are created equal are created equal. yeah so what does that mean? Yeah, on a show that's going to have all these different stipulation matches that are not equal. It's going to be all different hardcore matches. Yeah. Anyway. Some... I guess they're created equal because all of them have no rules. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's brilliant. It's great. In Philadelphia. Um, anyway, yeah. I, you know, uh, if 205 Live can continue providing like these types of matches in an opening setting, um, I'd, I'm happy for its continued existence. Then we go into the main show, and it opens with Michael Cole proclaiming, it's time to kick ass and take names. Yeah. I was all set. I was ready. I had my notepad out. 
list of names ready to take, and I was going to kick ass. All right. I was ready. Uh, Actually, someone made a great joke about this new breakout tournament on NXT should have been, it would have been better for this tagline because it's all the guys that have come in and been given new names now. Yeah. Becky Lynch, Lacey Evans opened the main show for the Raw Women's title. Audience was very energetic and really behind Becky Lynch and really not into Lacey Evans. They chanted, Lacey sucks. You can't wrestle. Um, There was was a miscommunication early on that kind of spurred on these chants uh, with Lacey. And then Evans worked on the ribs. And by work on the ribs, I mean she would just like wind up and punch her in the ribs. Right. And Becky was selling... uh, Pretty effectively throughout the match here. Um, there was a spot where they were on the turnbuckle and Lynch used a flying armbar to apply that Evans escaped from. Lynch then took Lacey's cloth that she had taken out and she stuffed it into Lacey's mouth like it was the mandible claw. Yeah, it was her handkerchief that she used to wipe her pits and then she stuffed it back into Lacey's mouth. Right, so yeah. taking a bit of a, the nasty boys coupled with mankind here sure. for this spot. Uh, Becky missed a leg drop coming off the second turnbuckle. So Evans then leaped over and was supposed to land on Becky's knees, but it it didn't come off very well. Evans hit a cutter out of the corner, got a two count, was continuing to punch the ribs. And then Evans climbed the turnbuckle, uh, was yanked down and Lynch just applied the disarmor. And before it was even fully applied, she tapped furiously Mm -hmm. to get out 1125, um, the positive, I thought this was better than their Money in the Bank match. They certainly had a better crowd for it. Um, I, I still didn't think this was a great match. And I think just it did show the disparity between the two. But I thought it was a better match than their last outing. When you're put in a main event situation, well, a title match situation with, with Becky Lynch, I think you're expected to perform at set level. Um, and unfortunately, in an ideal world, I don't think Lacey Evans would be receiving these opportunities until maybe at least a year in. Um, and thus, I think you're right to criticize it maybe as hard as it, 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 it you know, yeah, you should be. But I think if you're considering that this is Lacey Evans, you know, still relatively young in her career on a stage like, like this, being given this level of responsibility, I think she did a decent job. You know, this was a more ambitious match than their last one. Um, it was more complex. I thought they wrestled it a lot faster with faster sequences. Certainly there, there were sloppy looking moments and, um, you know, I'm thinking to like the, uh, uh, Becky's like, uh, back kick she was doing off of the, the, the corner that maybe looked a little bit off. Um, but I would say they were like, what, like maybe 85% successful with what they were attempting. And certainly I think the audience helped it too. Like they were really into Becky as the baby face. And even if they, people were not really into Lacey, they were vocal about it. So that worked for the match. But I think it's credit to, to the both of them that they managed to evoke that type of reaction from this audience with the match that they provided. So uh, any surprise, even uh, taking into account the, the main event of the finish to this match, like this was, this was pretty definitive. No, no. I think they they see that. I mean, I don't know if Lacey Evans was ever thought to like take the belt from Becky anyway. I think they see the level where she's at. This is a good way to give her that initial exposure upon her her debut. Um, can you remember like even like those months and months of her just coming out to no effect, to not doing anything? At least they got to this part, you know, like where people actually recognize who she is. Well, now. yeah, and she's apparently like it seems she's going to be in a big match at Extreme Rules. True. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, inter- uh, what is it? Mixed tag. Yeah, I think that's what everyone expects coming out of this show. I mean, that's that seemed pretty clear. Uh, then we go to the back. Um, th- first, they aired this promo for Ali. Yeah. Um, so 
I guess, kind of building up. He's been off TV since uh, Super Showdown. I've, I've been a big fan of everything I've seen Ali do, like uh, promo-wise. Um, I think it's him and, and like a wrestler friend of his out in Chicago that filmed those, and they've been great. I thought this was a little corny. I don't know if it's the same production team that was involved in this one, but it was like the concept is you're seeing footage of like, you know, people in like, I guess, I don't know, pretty shitty situations. I think you you got the impression that a woman was like an alcoholic and so Ali walks into the frame and she pours her bottle down the drain. Um, there's like, you know, a man visibly, I guess, yelling at his like girlfriend or, 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 or female partner. And Ali walks in and somehow saves the day. Like it was a little corny to me and, and maybe a little too self-righteous and a little too on the nose. Well, we'll see if this is maybe he'll he'll have like these healing powers when he comes back. He to just television. like appears and like all, everything everybody changes. Yeah, he's yeah, like an angel. Yeah, he'll be like their um their wellness provider. Um, he'll be able to cure alcoholism and drug addiction. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's. I it, prefer the promos. I think that this is one um one of many uh negatives of this wild card is that. Granted, this was a two-week build for this pay-per-view, so you can't get programs for everyone. But, man, when I was going through the list today of people not on this show and not even realizing Ali's been off TV for this cycle, um, it's yeah. you, you throw in the wild card, It's there's a lot less television time than there was two months ago. And mm-hmm. you're seeing guys like Ali that are not figured in. Shinsuke Nakamura is... Well, disappeared like, for all the and con- no one notices for all the concern about like you know two two out of three matches and elimination matches why not just it's make- gonna be even less now if you're if you're looking at doing matches like that two out of three falls well, what or- i mean is why not make more room for more matches and more more uh segments involving people like ali backstage even if it's not a match well like, the- do we get back to the time of the editor era with shorter matches but that's that to me is where I thought when I'm hearing about this of not wanting to do them during commercial breaks, do you do the idea that you're going to get quick matches on television, more people get on, uh, you're not going to get your blowaway matches on TV, save for maybe a big main event. Um, you're not getting them right now with these two out of three balls. You're not either. So save the big matches for the pay-per-views and house shows and you get television is just to get people over yeah. and Okay, this guy's headlining SummerSlam. He's running through people for seven weeks. How about a two count to a fall? One count. Yeah. Well, anyway. It'd be like wrestling. Amateur yeah. wrestling. Uh, anyway, so Paul Heyman was backstage outside Baron Corbin's locker room, which he gets his own, and was interviewed by Kayla Braxton. He asked if Brock Lesnar is here tonight. The answer was apparently no. Uh, Heyman asked if Kofi and Rollins are here tonight, and therefore, is there an opportunity for Brock Lesnar? And the audience booed at the notion of Lesnar cashing in tonight. And this was never revisited, nor even hinted by the announcers. I mean, at the end of the title matches, there was no, um, is Kofi susceptible to Brock? It was, there was none of that. It was, they didn't even tease it beyond this one throwaway interview segment. Which, I guess, why build it if there's no payoff? But that's kind of the whole point, is that you want to have this figure kind of ominously hanging over top of these title matches. But I think we already get the idea coming out of, you know, um, great, what is it? Uh, great, what the fuck? What was that Super show? Showdown? Super Showdown. I think we already get the idea. They like, they built that up that Brock Lesnar still has the briefcase. He can appear at any The man time. will fly halfway across the world uh, to to have his uh, advocate trip and screw up his title yeah. running. But we don't, I don't, I, I don't know if it really helps to, to have Paul, Paul Heyman constantly remind you. I think it's just, it's better to just leave it. Kind I of, mean, he's there at the shows. So I think that's just. Yeah, so it doesn't mean you have to use him. 
Baron Corbin then walked out and he said he has chosen his referee and, who will call it down the middle and will be unbiased. He says he doesn't need any help to beat Seth Rollins. He just wants someone to be a fair referee. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens versus Big E and Xavier Woods. This match started off very different. Mm-hmm. Owens and Zayn destroyed Xavier Woods. It was like they were on special and hit all their finishing maneuvers. Yeah. Owens attacked them with three super kicks. It was a, a super kick club party. Super kick club party. I was trying to. I was trying to work them in together. Oh, like S club. club. Oh my god! Wow. Uh, okay. He then hit a swanton from the top for a two count. Zayn tagged in, hit a blue thunder bomb, and then. Owens hit a frog splash. Again, Woods kicked out, and they were frustrated that Woods continued to kick out. And they were they were going so heavy that part of me was thinking, man, are they just going to have Owens and Zayn just be this, they're just going to run roughshod through this tag division. But that was not the case. This was just a really different opening to the match. You know, I, it, I thought it was I thought it was so awesome. Like, sometimes you'll see these, these types of kind of, like, very different um finishes for like like a goldberg main event they'll, they'll come out right away and like immediately just go for their big moves and then it's it's a race to the finish you never really see it in like kind of like your minor tag team matches that you know on the mid card but i thought it was so nice to get something different from your typical wwe tag team formula of match it grabbed your attention immediately and it was a ton of heat placed on woods it was six and a half minutes um you could argue it almost went too long of like just beating down this guy and he had to fight from underneath. But then he finally made the tag to Big E and it kind of turned into a match at this point. Um, Woods got involved as well, lifted Big E up off his shoulders and Big E splashed Sami Zayn. Uh, Zayn avoided the up, up, down, down. So Woods went into the corner and Zayn hit a haluva kick into a pop-up powerbomb, which was an awesome tag team, uh, a double team on Xavier Woods. All four go down after a lariat to Zayn, super kick to E, and then rolling elbow from Woods onto Owens. Audience was cheering all of this. And then Big E speared Sami Zayn off the apron to the floor. Woods then got knocked from the top when he was uh, climbing up, and Owens hit a stunner for the win at 11 minutes and 5 seconds. Uh, I went into this thinking that this should be a very good match. It was above my expectations. I really enjoyed this a lot, and I, I think Owens and Zayn really needed the win. They need something, and maybe... Maybe the tag situation is not the most ideal for them, but I was glad that they won because I think they have more to gain at the moment. Oh, yeah. They lo- they took probably like five pinfalls between both of them. They have uh, not Monday had a good Tuesday. couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I thought a, a really great tag team match like you. I mean, you know, you could say that about a lot of the matches on this show. Going in, I'm, this was probably like the least anticipated WWE card of the entire year. Um, so this was one of those matches that I didn't really care to see again. But when they, by the end of it, um, it started spectacularly. It almost shocked the audience into caring. And it's a, it's, it's a type of opening that you can only do with a team that's really as connected to the audience as the New Day. Because, you know, think about it. Like, what's the point of having the baby face shine when, like, they're already over to the point that the New Day is. Um, seeing Owens and Zayn together, uh, obviously they have tremendous chemistry, and I think you've got to see them, like, be incredibly impressive again for the first time in, I think, a long, long while. So I also think the fact that you had Xavier Woods sell for as long as he did, even though, you know, it might have seemed kind of different, I thought it really helped by, for, for the for the finish because he ended up taking the pinfall and really selling his injuries after a while uh, afterwards. So it kind of gave you the excuse that he was blindsided by Owens at the beginning of the match, which led to him ultimately losing the match. Yeah, it'll be interesting where Owens and Zayn are slotted if they are going to be uh, 
remain as a tag team because on the heel end, you have heel champions. You've just brought AOP back onto TV this past week on SmackDown. I don't know where they necessarily fit in terms of that tag division. It's a little bit of a weird fit. You've got heel champions on Raw as well with the Revival. Yeah, I wonder how many more, you know, kind of title defenses they're going to do for Kofi until, you know, he he faces somebody maybe of note at SummerSlam. Um, I could see him actually, uh, I could see Zayn challenging for him after this. Yeah, perhaps this was to heat one of them up because I do not think you can stretch out another Ziggler match and they need need an opponent for Kingston in three weeks. Yeah. Nikki Cross was backstage with Alexa Bliss, all excited about the title match, and Cross is now convinced that she has seen Bailey's true colors and hopes everyone else does as well. Samoa Joe Ricochet for the United States title. Uh, a rare slip by Ricochet during his entrance where he did the backflip in the ring and slipped on the canvas and then made fun of it later online. Um, which yeah. I just bring it up because it's a rarity this guy ever um, slips, considering yeah. all the stuff he does. So Joe stopped Ricochet on the floor and ran his back into the apron, and the match became Ricochet being grounded and having to deal with all of Joe's striking and superior size. And the announcers were explaining that Ricochet utilizes his high flying, but there's more to his game than just that. Um, but he is being grounded here. Ricochet finally got Joe off his feet with a springboard clothesline and followed with a Fosbury flop to the floor, hit a Cabrada for a two count, and Joe hit this great looking power slam out of nowhere. Joe then caught Ricochet off a handspring into a snap German, followed by an inside-out lariat. Some great offense here from Joe. And then Joe took him by the leg and then went to rotate him in the air, and he just crashed onto the mat, applied the coquina clutch, and and Ricochet was able to snap Joe on the top rope to break free. Joe avoided the 630, went for a lariat, and then Ricochet attempted to land on his feet, hit a code breaker, and then climbed to the top, hit the 630, and pinned Joe in 12 minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, very surprising outcome, and this was a different style of ricochet match, but I thought it it definitely worked. I thought it was great. I think these two paired together incredibly well. I think Joe, to me, is still at his best wrestling as a powerhouse going up against high-flying cruiserweights that are ha- like you know much smaller than he is. And I think Ricochet, for the underdog character that they're trying to portray with him, Having a monster in Joe to play off against is is really kind of the perfect opponent for him. Somebody who can wrestle as fast as him uh, and, and just deliver like great power offense. They had great chemistry to me. Um, every move that I thought both men tried to execute was uh, done with almost near perfect execution. Um, you know, I feel like this might have been a match that maybe took the crowd a little bit more time to get into at the beginning. But once they did... I thought the rest of the match was incredibly successful in in eliciting a a huge reaction. So to me, it certainly lived up to the expectation of a match you would expect from these two. Yeah, I thought it was a different style of match from Ricochet, but it was really, it really worked. Uh, I I enjoyed this a lot. This is one of my more favorite matches on the show. And I was definitely surprised by the outcome with Ricochet winning. Uh, And watching this, I mean, it's impossible not to envision Samoa Joe in that Baron Corbin role, especially like, like, harassing Becky Lynch and just like, I think he would be so awesome in that role. He'd be way better than, than Corbin. I mean, it's not even a debate and I could not help but think that like watching this, like, like he's in a good spot, but he could be in a better spot. Hopefully this is the transition. You know, I don't, I don't know how much more he needs to prove, but I think Joe versus Rollins is a match that they, they're kind of out of options to be honest. And I think Joe is one of the best options out there. Joe going right to Kofi. That's something you could do. And maybe yeah, maybe point, yeah. they don't even bother with this Ray program with, with Joe. I don't know. Yeah, who knows how long. But, you know, Ricochet is U.S. champion. 
it, it's fine. I, I almost wonder if it's not too early, but the problem is like the US belt means nothing right now. So, you know, it being on Ricochet, I guess, is a nice little kind of like trophy that you can add to him. But ultimately, how we'll regard the belt is how they'll book Ricochet. So hopefully he. I he think has, based on what we'll see later, I think they're just going to put this guy in super hot television matches with AJ. Yeah. Great. When Ray comes back, I yeah. think that's maybe where Ricochet finds himself. I mean, all of these secondary belts need long reigns, need somebody to hold on to them as like a signature reign in order to lift up kind of the value of these belts. Hopefully, Ricochet is that person. Quick, who's the Intercontinental Champion? Finn Balor. You're on top of your game. I, 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 I actually thought about it during the show. I was thinking so. about it as I set that question up. Yeah. I had to remember. And a guy who was also not part of this, uh, this show. Um, mm-hmm. So... Ricochet walks to the back. I like this. He goes to the back, and there is Seth Rollins. Uh, Charlotte Flair, which was a weird one to include here. You're right. Yeah. Um, she, she was the one face? that just, uh, to me, it was like a strange one to have. Uh, along with Heavy Machinery, Hawkins and Ryder, Carmella, and then the, the main eventer, Paul Levesque, to give him the big congratulations. And then you just hear Heavy Machinery's music play, and they walk out. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like this transition. It was just something... Here they are. They're ready for their match. Uh, I like Rollins kind of being presented like here's the guy who's the locker room leader. Um, it's a it's it, it's Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that is kind of. I didn't even realize she was there. Um, yeah, sir, I, I, you can look at it as maybe a tr- as a transition, but I mean, I'm sure maybe some of the idea is to have you think about potentially what a Ricochet versus Uncle Paul match might look like further down the road. Ricochet and Uncle Paul. Yes. I don't know. I don't know if Ricochet is at that. We'll see. By WrestleMania? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if they see Ricochet ever getting to... Like, that's a big spot to be paired with uh, Uncle Paul. Not Bear. No. I I would venture to guess that that is not happening. But maybe. Perhaps. Um, Daniel... uh, By the way, while we establish that Paul Levesque is there, it really does kind of throw the logic out the window of Baron Corbin getting to name his referee to just be a, like a heel referee. Well, maybe he said no. Who said no? Triple H. What, what are you saying? Like what? The fact that Baron Corbin, he was allowed to announce the referee. Yeah. That's all well and good. But you've clearly announced someone that's going to bend the rules and it's going to be a one-sided match. And I think it kind of makes Paul Levesque look kind of like an idiot here. Like, here's this right. guy. Is he not, like, kind of your babyface authority on the main roster? I don't know. Is he a babyface? I'm trying to remember what the last light he was presented in it was. It was uh, Batista. Oh, no, it was... Uh, He's been I, on TV uh, since... Randy Orton. He faced Randy Orton. Yeah, as a babyface. I don't know, dude. Okay, well, it's like... Maybe he was overruled by Vince. Well, I'm just... I, I was looking for some explanation. Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus Heavy Machinery for the SmackDown tag titles. As expected, Bryan received a thunderous reaction, the loudest on the show so far. Everyone is chanting for him, and Tom Phillips acknowledges that they are in the last stronghold of the Yes Movement. They're still clinging to it here in Washington. The audience booed when Otis uh, was in with Bryan uh, and got and sent Bryan down after a collar and elbow tie-up. And, you know, to his credit, I thought Otis just played with the punches and was not like affected by the crowd and just kind of, I thought they handled it fine and they probably expected it going in as well. And they didn't, they didn't worry about it. They didn't. I think that they overthink these things at times. Like you just explained, this guy is from Washington. Of course, they're going to cheer him. Mm -hmm. So you have to work a different style of match. Like, I don't think this has to be this national emergency that, Oh my God, 
these guys are getting booed and they're getting cheered. Like, I think it makes sense. He's in his home territory. Um, the crowd started chanting, please recycle and drive a Prius. Yes. Among their chants. that. And Captain Planet. And Captain Planet. Yeah. I missed that one. Uh, Brian wrapped Tucker's left leg around the post, which uh, would affect him later on. And Otis continued to get booed. Brian did his running drop kicks and then caught, was caught with a sit-out powerbomb. Later, he's landing the yes kicks, and they have no effect on Otis, who just starts like hulking up. And he was hilarious here, but the audience was hating him. Uh, but he was still having a great time. Uh, he his eventually- dancing is his Hulk up. It is his Hulk up, yeah. yes. And then stopped Brian with a T-bone. Otis hit the caterpillar, and then he took Brian, catapulted Brian into a urinagi from Tucker, which was a cool tag team maneuver. And Brian then went back to Tucker's leg with leg kicks that was injured from the the post spots. Tucker went for a top rope moonsault, and Brian nearly didn't get out of the, the way from taking all of it. And then Brian landed a flying knee to Otis from the top. Tucker cut off Brian and took out Rowan with a dive to the floor, returned, and Tucker was caught by Mr. Small Package. Yes. Brian Danielson, who yes. pinned him at 14 minutes and 18 seconds to retain the SmackDown tag titles. Um, I thought this was Heavy Machinery's best match since they were called up. Yes, Brian had a huge part in that, but I thought that they had some good moments in this match as well. Like, they, this didn't drag for 14 and a half minutes. I thought this was a well-done tag match. I agree. I thought this was another really good match, uh, and especially impressive, I think, for Heavy Machinery because they're probably in somewhat unfamiliar ter- territory here, getting booed. Um, but I thought they handled it pretty well, and I think you really do ch- have to chalk it up to Brian playing the ring ger- general here. I thought Brian was excellent throughout this entire thing, but among he- Heavy Machinery, I thought Otis was excellent in this match. Uh, he not only shows a great deal of personality, but I thought in-ring, his stuff looked really good too. Rowan is solid. I think of before, I was probably a lot less impressed with Tucker, who by the end doesn't feel all that exceptional in any way, but you know, I, I didn't like, I understood here, here he is in a big match and probably wanted to do that moonsault, but I really hated that the leg was such a big part of Brian's attack. And doing the, like you're selling the knee and then you do a top rope moonsault. It's like one of those things, it's just, okay, you, you just want to do your big move at the expense of the story that you're mm-hmm. telling. Like they did the the post spot and then Brian went back to it later with the leg kicks. Like that was a big focus of and then he couldn't kick out of the small package at the end. So I just thought the top rope moonsault was just pretty much, hey, look, I can do a top rope moonsault. But to me, it wasn't the time for it. Yeah, I thought it was a good match. And thus far, this this show was impressing me. If I turn the show off, thumbs up. Yeah, this was a really good show mm-hmm. up until this point. Next up was Bailey and Alexa Bliss for the SmackDown women's title. Early on, Bliss is very frustrated uh, as she had the advantage, but Bailey kept kicking out and Bliss slapped her in the corner. And then Bailey hit the somersault into an elbow drop, almost like the, the rolling thunder, but with an elbow drop, and then got cracked with a right from Bliss. Bailey then comes back, hit a running knee strike to the head, and Bliss pulled Bailey around the post while and then grabbed her right shoulder. So she's selling the shoulder. And Bailey came back, sent Bliss to the floor, and took out Nikki Cross with a suicide dive. And Bliss then hit her with a code red, pulled her into the ring, went for the twisted Bliss, but Nikki Cross is still upset about the dive. So she climbs into the ring and goes after Bailey and causes the twisted Bliss to get messed up. Bliss put her back in the position. When she finally went for the twisted Bliss, Bailey was able to get her knees up and hit the Bailey to belly for the win. 10 minutes and 39 seconds. And I thought this was average. 
Yeah, I thought the promo battle on Tuesday was one of the best things on SmackDown, but I didn't think the match was very good. I thought Alexa's offense looked really lackadaisical and almost just kind of boring. I would say this match is much more of your typical WWE style, like long, long, unearned chin locks from Alexa to Bailey. Um, and I thought the finish with Nikki getting involved was not only cliche, but I didn't think it was all that well executed. Very contrived. It, it was just not believable um, the way that they executed it. So I actually preferred Becky and Lacey to this. Even though this match maybe didn't have as many screw-ups, I thought the pacing and the energy of the, the Lacey-Becky match was superior to And this. they had a better crowd uh, for it. I mean, It was a better match. It was. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, I didn't think either were, were great. Um, to me, this was where the show kind of turned around. This was two shows for me watching. Yeah, uh, and sure. I thought this was the turning point. Um, so they're advancing the Bliss Cross storyline. And afterwards, Cross was consoling Alexa Bliss, who wasn't really selling that she was upset at Nikki Cross. But that was what you were led to believe, that she lost because of Nikki. Hmm. How ironic. She begged the whole time for Nikki to help her and then ended up costing her the match. Then, you and I haven't talked about this. They recapped Drake Maverick's 24-7 title win on Tuesday, last week, when uh, Drake dressed up as Carmella. And then they aired the footage of R-Truth winning the title back during Drake Maverick's wedding in one of the best videos this year. It was great. It was great. You know, when this whole 24-7 experiment started, I think everybody was somewhat groaning. But the potential always existed for them to be creative through moments like this. Uh, and I think Drake Maverick, along with R-Truth, is one of those guys who's really making his mark using this concept. For a guy like him, like, this thing is really the only path he has to holding any sort of WWE championship and any and gaining any type of significant role beyond that of, like, a manager or a GM. And he's been taking full advantage. The timing with his wedding coming legitimate, legitimately during this time I thought worked out perfectly for the guy. Uh, that tweet from his wife that they aired in front of the live audience got a big reaction from, the, from, this, uh, from this crowd. So everything is clicking with Drake Maverick in the 24-7 title. I mean, Drake Maverick and R-Truth, like, they are the strength of this division. They are your That's, two best it's people. It's not to say this. other people can't step up and that other people don't have that that potential. Like, broken Matt Hardy coming back for the 24-7 belt would be really interesting as well. Um, yeah, I thought this video was great. Even the blocking of it where he's walking, it, they've, they've uh, got married, they're walking down the aisle, and then you just see the referee with, like, mm -hmm. the over-the-shoulder shot. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. It was really it was great. great. It was great. And it was nice. just jumps out of the from the 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 pew. It's fun to like uh, spot the cameos as well. Yes, yeah, there were a handful of people that that you could spot. Ricochet is getting photos taken with the United States title. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows walk in, followed by AJ Styles, and they all took a photo together. And Styles told Ricochet that he will see him tomorrow night. So heavily teasing that match for Raw on Monday. Yeah, and I guess AJ and, and the club are just back together. They seem to just be... Um, Even though they failed. Clicking. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, they got a... Well, their fourth Bullet Club member was uh, also backstage. We saw him earlier. That's Uncle Paul. Right. Yes. Yeah. Drew McIntyre versus... Man, but AJ versus Ricochet, to me, that's a pay-per-view worthy match. Uh, well, yeah. it's, may, maybe they'll but just tease it on Monday and, and hold it sure. off. Yeah. They could... Um, yeah. So it looks like AJ has either been cleared or they're hopeful he will be cleared in time for, for Monday night. So mm -hmm. and then he's got he is scheduled for the sumo hall shows at the end of the week too. Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. Uh, this match kind of reminded me of the Triple H Randy Orton match where it was a long match. They had a way better crowd than Orton and Hunter did, 
but it really wasn't until the end that I thought they really got into this. They went 17 minutes and 19 seconds. Uh, it started with this huge dive from Roman, and they brawled on the floor. So mm-hmm. that was a pretty impactful start. And then Reigns chased them through the audience. And then as he came back, he leaped over the barricade and got struck down. And Drew went to town on him and just worked on his arm forever inside the ring. Um, I was worried about your heart rate significantly during parts of this match. Reigns came back with a Samoan drop. They just, you punch me, I punch you, you punch me, I punch you. They went to the floor. Reigns uh, missed Shane and went into the steps and... Or sorry, Reigns called for the Superman punch and then sent Shane off the apron with it and then hit another when he came off the steps. Then he missed with the drive-by, allowing Drew to hit the inverted Alabama slam onto the announcer's desk, so he took over again. Set up for the Claymore, and Reigns avoided that with a backslide. McIntyre hit the Glasgow kiss and then leaped off the top into a Superman punch. McIntyre kicked out of that. Then Reigns hit a spear. Shane pulled the referee to the floor and hit a coast-to-coast drop kick onto Roman, who was set up in the corner. Drew again goes for the cover. Reigns kicks out. And then Reigns finally hits a Superman punch onto Drew. Sent Shane to the floor and hits one final spear to pin Drew McIntyre. As I said, the final, the ending where he got clear of Shane and hit the final Superman punch spear, audience reacted to. But I I thought this went really long. And I I usually get into Roman's big matches. But I don't know. With Drew McIntyre, with WrestleMania and this one, um, they, they didn't for me. Yeah, um... I, I, I don't remember the WrestleMania match really all that much at all. Uh, I do remember maybe not being as into it. But I also saw that one live. Um, so maybe that kind of had, you know, a role to play into it. This was also a match that I really, really was not looking forward to at all. But once it got going, I really got into it. I actually think these two have excellent chemistry together. I think Drew is like big and powerful enough to make Roman look like a convincing underdog. All of Drew's offense looks fantastic. And I thought Roman's comebacks, while I don't think the crowd were as into them in the beginning, I I thought they were all relatively well executed. So by the end, I think with all the near falls and I think with Shane's involvement, they had this crowd completely hooked. Um, To me, the one blemish was perhaps Shane, perhaps getting too involved in pulling the referee, referee out of the ring. Like... He pulled the referee out so much, he, like, got in there with him. And it, at that point, it was just almost, like, stupid to re- to think that the referee didn't notice Shane's involvement to to to, DQ, to not DQ the match. To me, that was, like, the one blemish. I don't know if Shane was supposed to be as involved as he was. Um, but beyond that, I thought it was, this was another good match on the show. Yeah, maybe I'm in the minority. I don't know. This one did not click for me. I just thought it went it went too long. But you're right. Like the audience did get into the end. So again, maybe I'm in the minority here. Um, afterwards, the announcers were kind of going into overdrive here to state that this has to be the end of the chapter involving Roman with Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon, which later in the night we would find out is not the case. Yeah. I think they have to get this to extreme rules at least. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't yeah. know if you can push this to SummerSlam. I really don't think the heat is there yeah. for Roman to get his hands on Shane and get his win back. It's not. I, I think like, I, I think tomorrow night you do the handicap match and Drew and Shane beat him with a bunch of weapons and that sets up your handicap match at Extreme Rules. Roman wins and that's it. That would be it. Roman's on to a title program or something for SummerSlam. That would be how I would end this. With with Seth? Uh, with who though? Possibly Seth, yeah. Yeah. Or I mean, something. I'm not we'll saying see. it has to be a title program, but I don't think it's this. I don't think Roman yeah. and Shane 
is enough to carry you through the summer. I think it's just uh, it's a waste of Roman at this point. Like we've done this. It's been it's been long enough. No, it's it's it just I don't know how how much more they can really kind of exhaust the combinations here. You know, you've you've done Elias, you've done Shane, you've done Drew McIntyre. Um, I don't know if it's a hot enough program for you to do those rematches at all. Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler steel cage match for the WWE title. Uh, Ziggler was in control. He's taunting Kofi until Kofi fought back. Ziggler attempted the Famouser and it was blocked and Ziggler got run into the cage. Then they fought on the turnbuckle. Ziggler got rammed into the fence and fell down onto the canvas and Kofi, they thought was climbing up, but then he just turned into a reverse cross body. So he stayed in the ring. How stupid is that? It's like another one of those things like, you know, it's the Jeff Hardy thing where rather than get the win, the baby face decides to jump. And the announcers called this out. Not only that, after Kofi managed to land the crossbody, he didn't even go for the door. He decided to take the hard way out and decided to climb back up. And the like, I wouldn't even have that much of an issue with it because I could suspend my disbelief enough. But the announcers called this out. So we're all supposed to think how stupid Kofi Kingston is. Kofi hit an SOS. Um, Ziggler stopped the trouble in paradise. And then he worked on Kofi's knee for about an hour. Uh, then turned into an ankle lock and just kept hold of the leg. Kofi finally broke free, but then got caught again. Kingston finally reversed, applied his own ankle lock. And I thought, you know, after being in this uh, a submission for so long and then you reverse it, got no reaction when he finally turned the tables. Yeah. And Ziggler hit the zigzag to get out of that quickly. The crowd started to get behind Kingston. Ziggler is crawling for the door. Kingston grabbed hold of him. Ziggler then gouged the eyes. And as Ziggler is trying to crawl out, the door is open and Kofi gets up, dives over the top rope, lands on the floor. I thought he was going to blow his shoulder out. Yeah. And he won the match in 19 minutes and 56 seconds. Um, I felt every second of this one. I don't know. This one to me was... Um, was I wrong on this one? Do no. we agree on this? this? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. You know, I thought the finish, let me just say, was was very unique. And I think for a match, like a match as often used as a steel cage match, where we've seen pretty much every conceivable finish, I thought this was really a unique way to end it. So kudos to Kofi Kingston as, you know, a performer who can execute these very spectacular, unique finishes. The rest of the match, though, there was nothing technically wrong with it, but it never grabbed me. I think they just spent a lot of time in there doing the same old thing, rubbing each other's faces into the fence, teasing these climbs, and then ultimately not getting them. And then they spend a long time working on this, like doing this leg story, which I just don't think works very well visually for a steel cage match at all. And I can't imagine even like what, what the audience live must have felt like if, if even at home we're watching all this and it's just not a captivating steel cage match. So ask yourself like steel cage matches. Yes. uh, For a long time, they were the match to build up like that was. And a lot of it was the booking of cage matches. You were getting a definitive winner and a loser from a blood feud that has been built up. And this is the end. And today with this modern style, a steel cage match only means they cannot do all this other stuff that Mm -hmm. you want to see in a big 20 minute match involving talent. Like I don't want to see AJ Styles or Seth Rollins or Ricochet in a steel cage match. To me, it's like, it's just what they can't do. I want to see brawlers in a steel cage. match. Sure. When it's, when it's called upon and there's, there's something for it. Like I want to see a bloody steel cage match, but I don't necessarily want to see like a high flyer at an amateur wrestler inside a steel cage match, which is what this was. Yeah. And I'll give it to you. It was a clever finish, but it's also like, what a goofy way to beat someone. You know what I mean? Like why? How's he? It's like, okay, 
I I jumped farther than you, and I'm the ch- I'm the winner. Isn't the concept of the steel cage stupid to begin with? Though? It is like it's it's inherently silly that it's just like it's it's like a an obstacle course that you just gotta like escape from. It's an escape room. That's yeah. what this is. It's an escape. Yes, that'd be a great match. Imagine like clues, guys, people have to solve in in the cage to oh, get out. Bella brains played Whoa. in an escape room, and you have to like like fi- figure out the combination. Yeah, lock brilliant i like escape rooms they're a lot of fun they and are. that's what i watched here i didn't enjoy this one um i i do hope that they, this was not done for some ziggler saying you never beat me kind of re- it is rebound. true this didn't really i, I feel like this is a match where they could come back with it in three weeks yeah. and man i'm done <laughs> i'm done um you know i i certainly do feel like the lack of credibility attached to ziggler as a challenger definitely hurt this as well you know it's not like a crowd it's not like a match where you really couldn't predict what the finish could be um i I think they're saving the trouble in paradise definitive win i think we're probably getting another one of these he had the definitive win didn't he how did he win that well the super showdown was he did it with the help of biggie and xavier Right. Oh, so this time he escaped without pinning him. I never thought for a second that was the whole point of this. Steel well, I, cage. I'm, 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 I'm saying, oh, please, to the to the idea that that might be an actual possibility, because the fact that we're even getting a Kofi versus Dolph Ziggler trilogy, like coming off of WrestleMania, is is weird to me. Listen, I, I don't know. I'm not saying like wink, wink that they're doing this. I really don't know. But this feels like they're. It's three weeks. That's the other thing. It's not like this is a six-week turnaround to the next pay-per-view where you can build someone up. And but they built Dolph up like in, in, in no time. Who, who would you put with Kofi? Like they, It's not like they've heated up um, anyone either. I would put uh, anybody on the roster. They're not going to Roman. Um, I, I would do... Let me think about this. Shinsuke Nakamura. Okay, but it's like you got to start from scratch on Tuesday. You start to... from scratch. You started from scratch with Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Rusev. Well, he's uh, he's got time off right now. Okay. So that was the end. Biggie and Xavier came out to celebrate with Kofi. And this is where we go backstage. Drew and Shane are upset. And they're interviewed by Kayla Braxton, who mentioned Roman Reigns got the last laugh. Shane announced a handicap match tomorrow with Roman Reigns on Raw. Yeah. So now you can name the wild card that's coming to Raw. We learned that. You don't have to apply for it. Remember? Before it was like the the individual had to... Who can name it? Well, Roman's been summoned to Raw now. Oh, okay. For this match. I mean, it's Shane, though, I guess. He could do whatever he wants. Okay. Why doesn't he make it like (laughs) four on one? It's a great question. With the Revival and Elias, get them all in. Yeah. It could be five on one. Anyway, that's what I think. I think they're just going to set up the weapons match or whatever stipulation for oh, Extreme God. Rules. Man. Okay. I think you're going to just get a lot of rematches for Extreme Rules. That's, that's somewhat what it feels something like. something wrong when you're like, because you have so many cards stacked back to back to back, deciding to make them look incredibly similar. There's something wrong with that. Main event, Seth Rollins, Baron Corbin for the Universal title. Corbin came out to announce the referee when Seth Rollins took the microphone and threatened to attack whoever the referee is if they're going to screw him out of his title. So Corbin announces Lacey Evans, who he cannot attack with the chair. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, interesting. Did we actually predict like something? Well, we, we guessed Becky as like a joke guess. I, th- I thought that there was a really strong pro. The way that Seth laid out all the all the guys on Raw, I mean, it... I think throughout the week, most people were assuming it was going to be Lacey or Becky or a female. 
Okay. It could have either been a woman or a child. That would have been interesting. Nicholas. Nicholas Cohn, yeah. Um, Corbin got attacked from behind and then, or Corbin attacked Rollins from behind using the chair uh, before Lacey ever called for the bell. And the audience immediately started chanting for Becky. When they realized Becky wasn't coming out right away, they moved on to This Is Stupid, AEW, CM Punk, and Boring. Yep. Daniel Bryan in there as well. Daniel Bryan in there as well. Uh, The audience could not care. Uh, They realized we're getting the heel ref gimmick for 15 minutes where Rollins would have Corbin beat and Evans would either be too slow or wouldn't make the count. Then we got... Uh, it was ruled no countouts after Corbin was put through the table with a power bomb. Then it was no disqualifications once Corbin came back and started using a chair. Rollins has to fight both Corbin and come and get over Lacey Evans' uh, heel tactics. Um, at one point, when she went to count three, she held her arm for the three count, and Graves said, "Well, that's a result of the disarmer," which I'll at least give him points for being clever like yeah. that actually ties in mm-hmm. um rollins got distracted with lacy so corbin attacked him with more chair shots this is when the dq stipulation was thrown out evans had slapped rollins and he was hit with a low blow corbin hit the end of days and finally becky lynch runs down for the huge pop and john cohen is summoned as the new referee who was the referee in the super showdown that begat all of this and allowed corbin his choice of official so now he was instructed to take over the match. Actually, he gets some justice himself. Rollins makes his comeback, hits the stomp, and wins in 18 minutes and 23 seconds. Um, I'll, again, say my the positive. They did, from Becky's run-in through the finish, the audience was into this. I will give them that. Well, it required the rest to get to that point. It was the 17 minutes beforehand that, I'm sorry, this was not, wow, wow what an awesome heel Baron Corbin is. Yeah. This was total indifference. This was... Such a substandard level for a pay-per-view main event. This was such substandard for a Seth Rollins pay-per-view match. I thought this was just... I I thought the second half of the show was really low. Um, I wasn't as into the Reigns-McIntyre match as you were. So from Alexa Bliss-Bailey onward, like this was a tale of two shows. One was thumbs up, one was thumbs down for me. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. To me, this match, uh, I agree with you. I thought the pop at the end was very successful. You know, we we understand now all the weeks of them building up Seth and Becky as a couple on TV incredibly forcefully and awkwardly to lead up to this and, you know, to to future things to come. Um, I get it. I hate the fact that this was the main event because it ends up being kind of the signature of what the show is ultimately going to be remembered for. Um, I, I don't know what else they could have ended this show with. I feel like the Kofi Dolph match, even though it wasn't as good, I think that at least left a better taste. Eh, whatever. L- listen, I think it's a misread of what the current audience demands. This type of very sports entertainment, you know, a uh, man, like, you know, boyfriend helps the girlfriend type of storyline. Um, the, the heel referee thing sucks. It sucks because you're telling your audience this is just to get to the next plot of the story. You yeah, are not getting anything conclusive. You're getting bullshit for 15 minutes plus. But, you know, it worked in the Attitude Era, and Vince mm-hmm. will always go back to his playbook. Like, like you know, uh, it worked what, with, with Sean, I guess, like the multiple times he's been special ref, like all this other bullshit. And this is their playbook to build to Seth Rollins teaming up with Becky Lynch against Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. So I understand all that. I just hate that it was the main event because it, it 
to me, it, it's a bad representation of, I think, what the rest of the show and I think really what the audience demands. I thought it was really stupid how long they made Becky wait before she got involved. Um, you know, to her, to their credit, Becky did deliver some justification for the wait on Twitter. She said, you can slow count, you can slap him in the face, but if you not shot him, then expect an ass whooping. So low blows are out of the question, but I guess everything else is totally fine. Um, I also really, it really did bother me, the messaging in this match. And that's that a woman can attack a man, but a man can't attack a woman. Um, to me, it's just really risky, dangerous territory that I think is almost kind of irresponsible for a professional wrestling company in the public light, like the WWE, for them to craft a storyline around. They had Lacey Evans like physically slap uh, Seth Rollins multiple times, and they've done this like all throughout she the mixed match challenge. Him. Yeah, yeah, and I understand. Like, of course, it's you know, it's it's whatever it is. But if you're not willing to do male versus female violence, I don't think you should do female violence on men either. I think you should just completely stay away from it rather than, you know, try to like like do this double standard. Because in real life, there are people that don't respect that difference. And I think if you're the WWE, you should just not get involved at all. Well, they flirted with it back with, with Nia Jax and Randy Orton at the Royal Rumble and with Dean Ambrose and then dropped it cold. But if you're going in this direction at Extreme Rules, you're almost like, promoting that if you tune into this match seth is going to get his spot that's on lacey what they evans made, that's what made, like, that's what they're going to tease whether they, what they made you not. want to see at the end of this match and i think that's just terrible yeah i think that that's going to be kind of the, what they're going to be teasing throughout this um well seth rollins isn't going to punch lacey evans and like the idea was you know like becky is is the substitute well there was but... a time they didn't want the stomp period they're definitely not doing that visual yeah yeah, yeah, I, uh, we'll see. And but they, I agree with you about the show. Like, yeah, I just, I can only go thumbs in the middle. And man, I I really don't want anyone throwing out, like, we're being negative. Because I, I love this show up until the tag. Like, this was a solid thumbs up. And I think it was interesting that in the, the first half of the show, you had clean finishes up and down. You had the people went over that I think the audience wanted to see or made the most sense. And then I think we got into a completely separate presentation for the second half. And I, I thought that the second half really pulled the show down. I, I can't say thumbs down because that first half, I really enjoyed it. Really I was good. like, man, this show has it. The first half felt like a show like here are a bunch of people who have a chip on their shoulder about uh, people are dogging the show. It's not uh, it. There's it's it's not full. a full house. It's a half house. And they're going to go out and work their asses off. And they did. I thought yeah. it was. I thought the majority of the people in that first half, and there were people in the second half working hard too, but I, I, I didn't think they overcame I thought book, certain facts. I thought booking ruined the like the main event was kind of doomed from the I, beginning. I didn't. Though, I, I don't. Know? I don't blame anyone in the main event. I think that thing was just it was the wrong match, and people have known it from the very beginning. Like there is a role for Baron Corbin. It is not in the main event challenging for the Universal Title. Shall we go to some phone calls before Let's. we go to the board? Absolutely. Well, first of all, let me just tell you what the board voted this show. 5.53 out of 10. Wow. Well, that's, yeah. That's I, about on, on if we had done that poll down. at 9 o'clock p.m., I think it would be very different. Yeah. Hey, caller, what's up? Hey, it's Paul from New Jersey, guys. How you doing tonight? Hey, Paul. Hey, Paul. Um, yeah, overall, I like the show, but, like, definitely listening to you guys and the feeling I got is, like, um, like Becky and Kofi are like, and even Seth are really good champions, but it really is about the dance partners. And I think 
Corbin and Evans, like, I think Evans stinks. I don't think she was ready. And Corbin, I'm not as low on as a lot of people are, but to me, that guy's like a manager slash wrestler mid-card act. Like, he's got mid-card written all over him to me. Agreed. And like, there, really there's, hope- believe me, there's, there's a place for him. And I think people yeah, yeah. detect, like, it, you move some of these pieces around. I, I think it's a much easier card to digest. And I mean, just, like, listen, we... Everyone knows where Lacey Evans is, and she has a lot of potential. Um, Charlotte would be way better in this role. Absolutely, yeah. you could have like I don't want Lacey or Baron from the gone from the company, but I just think like after tonight, I just think it's been so indicative in Seth, and you know Seth and Becky can only do so much. And like you said, John, I think it's a disservice to Seth. And I'm just hoping with Ricochet becoming U.S. champion that he could just feud with AJ Styles and. I think we talked about on Wednesday, you guys asked, like, who would you have Seth face next? I, I think Samoa Joe is your guy. He doesn't have that title anymore. He, um, you can do the callback to when uh, Seth tore his uh, MCL or messed it up before the Triple H match at Mania. It was from the Coquina Clutch. Um, and you can just have Joe be a creep with Becky Lynch the same way it was with AJ Styles. I just think, like, you have this raw... And I mean, I'm looking at the company overall. You have 215 performers on this roster. And if your challengers for your two hottest babyface champions are Lacey Evans and Baron Corbin, you got to change that and start booking to something else. Yeah. And uh, they have actually announced uh, Ricochet AJ officially for tomorrow. So that's the plan for tomorrow's Raw. Yeah, I think Joe is wide open now and should be placed with either of those guys. I don't think it's going to be Seth because I think we're continuing with, with this for the immediate future, but um, yeah, Kofi could be, Kofi needs a big heel coming off this Dolph Ziggler program. So whether that's as soon as extreme rules or they're going to pump out one more Ziggler match, I think that Joe should be positioned higher for one of them for SummerSlam. Yeah, definitely. And, and unfortunately, like you said, it's going to, they're pushing like with the awkward build of Becky and Seth, it's definitely going, I think like what you said, it's going to Corbin and uh, Evan. So yeah, I definitely, it would definitely be cool to see in Joe. I mean, it doesn't matter if the wild card Joe can go anywhere. So yeah. Thanks, what what was your, uh, what was your match of the night, Paul? Um, I really, uh, funny enough, I, I really liked Kevin Owens, Sammy Zayn against the new day. And yeah. I just, like you guys said, I think Owens and Zayn needed that win so much. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It was a great match. Uh, yeah, not surprising at all. Yeah. Yeah, they really got the crowd from the beginning with that special uh, type of start. So thank you for the uh, call, Paul. Thanks, guys. Take care. If you would like to call in, 732-800-4423 or Post Wrestling on Skype. We're going to be going to the forum, but if we get any calls, we will interrupt to go to them. Uh, Let's start off with Alex from Maple. Watch this from work tonight. I must say it was better than expected, but that's not saying much. Main event, while a bad match and entirely too predictable, still got fans excited, so served its purpose. I don't like the steel cage escape finish. It seems very odd for a face to win like that, but it was unique. Overall, better than expected, but still not good. At least we might get AJ versus Ricochet. Let's go back to the phone lines. Hansi, you're on. Yo, what's going on, guys? Hey, Hansi. Uh, yeah, I just want to say that I actually enjoyed the show. Um, I, I agree with you guys that it kind of, it, it went downward after after a bit. But I, I got to say, though, even though I wasn't really excited for the Baron Corbin and Seth Rollins match, because, you know, I, I just, you know, Corbin just doesn't do it for me like, you know, at that level. I did like the plot twist of Lacey Evans because I was anticipating the pop when Becky Lynch came out. You know what I mean? And the fact that, you know, they're introducing that, I actually I actually dig it. That you know, I I personally think that if you want to get over a heel in a dastardly way, I, I don't know how this would come across, 
But if like let's say Joe is feuding with Seth Rollins next, like you know, for SummerSlam, I say you can have Joe like kind of choke uh, Becky Lynch out or something, like like do an angle where like where like he actually actually harms her. I know like violence on women wouldn't really fly, but I think once in a while they do something dastardly, and because like they're presenting like a, a woman on the same level as a man. You can still like have her like try to get revenge back or something like that, but I mean, it would be kind of cool to see like, um, like to get at Seth, Seth Rollins' head that somebody tries to lay out Becky. You know what I mean? Like to do to do something dastardly, heelish. I, I I don't know if you guys are feeling that, but I don't know. I think you could do something like that. I can't really see them having Seth Rollins, their WWE champion, one of their top faces, attack Lacey Evans. I think Nia Jax is different because Nia is larger, physically larger than Seth Rollins. But, you know, Lacey is smaller. Um, I, I just don't see them doing that. I also uh, I also look at this this program of how much you want to push um, Becky into a role where it's Seth coming to her aid. Like, they have... Mm-hmm. That is not Becky's character. And they're they're putting her into that position. Well, in this case, it'd be, it's... They did the opposite. Tonight, they did the opposite. You're right. Yeah. Um, but in this instance of an angle like that, where someone were to attack Becky, um, I just don't know if you want to make Becky uh, this vulnerable character, because that's not her. That edge has been so yeah. key to her getting over this last year. I, I hear you. No, I hear you. But um, I, I, one last thing before I go, I got to say that even though Otis and uh, uh, Tucker didn't win, I felt like this match really put him over, and I really do think Daniel Bryan, man. That guy, I, I know we always praise Daniel Bryan, like, you know, amongst, like, these circles, but, dude, he's doing, like, some of the best work. I know people want to see him in the main event again, but I really like that he's um, um, trying to make the tag division um, actually matter again, you know what I mean? And I wouldn't mind if, like, for SummerSlam, they actually uh, have a unification match, because I, I just think there's not enough tag teams on each division, and the wild card rule is ruining everything, anyways. So I do think that they should maybe the Usos or the Revival or something like that. I think they should unify the titles if uh, if that if that goes down for SummerSlam. I'm all for it, Brian, uh, Hansi. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, good show as always. Thank you. Thanks, Hansi. All right. Uh... Why don't you go to yeah. one here? All right, we go to Sean from Toronto who says, I actually thought the show was not too bad until the main event helped to demonstrate everything wrong with WWE today. I hate Baron Corbin as a top heel. And Lacey Evans is being pushed too high for someone with her level of experience. I would have been happier if the show had ended with Kofi versus Sigler since that was actually decent. AJ from Pennsylvania really enjoyed the first half of the show. Cruiserweight match was excellent. Yes, I don't think the, the Cruiserweight match is getting enough uh, praise. By the time like the show ends, you kind of forget about it. I mean, that should have main evented. The show? Yes. <laughs> it should have gone on last. That would be a powerful statement. Uh, Ricochet and Joe had a really great match with a surprising title change, and the tag was fun as well. I really, I really checked out during the Reigns match. Interesting that the announcers put it over as a finale to the feud, though. Rest of the card was meh. End of the main event was great, but cliche, and the audience just doesn't buy Corbin as a main event guy. We go back to the phone lines right now. Bethany, you're on the line. What's up? Hey, John. Hey, Way. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing well. What would you think about the show tonight? Well, I really did not care about this pay-per-view. The only match I watched in full was the Samoa Joe Ricochet match. I caught a little bit of the other matches here and there, but I really didn't care. Um, I didn't expect Ricochet to win, but I was glad that he did. Uh, and then there was that backstage segment with Ricochet, and uh, then the Anderson and Gallo showed up, and oh. AJ yep. came out and, and challenged 
supposedly challenged Ricochet uh, to a match on Raw. And my question was, like, where do you think this is going? Um, and do you think it will lead to AJ Anderson and Gallows reforming the club? I think they're definitely hinting towards that that alliance, which I think they've is, already for- reformed. They may already be be all back together. Tonight was the big reunion at a at a photo shoot. Um, so yeah, they're oh. they're promoting the match for tomorrow night. I would be happy if they extended this because you throw an AJ and Ricochet on the Extreme Rules show. Mm-hmm. I think that that instantly grabs a lot of interest, and what, it needs very little buildup. What stipulation would you? Add? Oh right, well all matches are created equal way, so maybe uh. Two out of three falls, elimination. Put them in a steel cage so they can't do any flying. (laughs) Everything. Um, Yeah, I I could see them potentially going that direction beyond tomorrow, but I see tomorrow being almost more of the focus on AJ with the club. Well, I I know that they have that uh, show in Japan with Triple H. He's going to team himself up with with the club in, uh, in Japan. Not really happy about that, but that's beside the point. Um, but I, I mean, I'm glad to see AJ and, and Anderson and Gallows getting together. And I was really, really happy to see um, the match between AJ and Ricochet because I think those guys can have a great match if they give them enough time and don't give them some, you know, stupid stipulations. You know, as you bring up the the shows at Sumo Hall, they're on Friday and Saturday. I think it would have been a really smart idea. I know we're talking about how many shows they put out, but to air one of those uh, on the network that would serve the purpose. A, you've shot an angle with the Iconics. So, I mean, there's a reason to for people to see that match. You would think that they'd want that showing. Uh, there's the... That, to me, is all the rehab you need for Shinsuke Nakamura because he's in a prominent match, yes. and that instantly is the reset button for Nakamura to get that kind of a reception and a strong showing. That And I just think the novelty of WWE being in a, another country, it just makes the product come across really hot. And Mm. I would look at one of those shows, just throwing it on the network. I don't think they're going to do it on such short notice, but um, I I think there's a lot of value to that. Well, you like they did, they did a a star cast. Was it not that long ago where they showed select matches from a house show? I mean, we've had beasts from the East. Um, I guess there might be sort of a, a a budget involved in getting a a camera. Well, sure. Absolutely. But I, I, I agree with you. I think it's worth it for those select matches. Cool. You know, I, I would love to see that. Like I said, you know, I don't care anything about Triple H being involved, but I would love to see the reaction from the fans with AJ and Anderson and Gallows in Japan and also with Nakamura just to see how the fans react to him as opposed to, you know, like what he's kind of been, what he's become here in, in the in the States. Yeah, maybe well, maybe they'll uh, Hunter will win and then he'll take photos with each person in the match right <laughs> afterwards. Well, you know, it's like he, he congratulated Ricochet tonight after he, he beat Samoa Joe and won the U.S. title. So good old Triple H. He's always got to put himself over. That's that's Way's WrestleMania match next year. Hunter and Ricochet. <laughs> I can see it happening. Uh, it could. There's, there's always those possibilities. Uh, thanks so much for the oh, call, no, Bethany. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, guys. All right. Um, AJ also had a question here at the end. Uh how do you think John Moxley is booked in the G1? Should we save that for our... Uh, no, let's answer it now. How, how do you see him? Uh, do you see him being... I think a, he'll be booked really strong. I think he's going to be alive going into the final week. I mean, I, I don't know if he'll have a role at... I don't think he's going to win it, but I, I anticipate he'll be on more New Japan shows if, if if they're able to use him, and I think they're going to want to keep him strong and not completely job him out or anything like that. Well, we know he has to 
even if this is going to be a short-term thing, he has to lose that U.S. title at some point. Yes. Um, I He mentions here, do, who do you think gets a win over him? I don't know all the losses he'll have, but I think it's a guarantee that final night of Juice. the B block, he loses to Juice, yeah. and I think they do that rematch. Juice beats him for the title, and that might be it for Moxley. He yeah. might not be available beyond that. He just well, works it, one more show after G1. In that case, it's, it's been a great brief relationship. He, yeah. he, you get him for the G1, you get him to have Juice uh, win over him, so... That that for really a few cause... months, and then maybe a, a destruction show in September. He loses to to Juice, and that's yeah. that's a great like rollout that you got at a Moxley for those couple of months. I think. Although there are dream matches still you could do with John Moxley if he's not going to be around yeah. after this year. Well, yeah. who knows? It's like all we know is that in terms of working New Japan, it's just been established he can't do them in the U.S. It doesn't right. seem like there's anything preventing him from. Doing future New Japan shows, mm-hmm. it just it's going to have to coordinate with him being part of the weekly television. So right. if his schedule permits, I'm I'm sure he like he sounds like he's having the time of his life doing mm-hmm. stuff there. Uh, we got a Chris Kent who says definitely a bottom heavy show. Glad they didn't go with Brock as it made no sense for Corbin to invite someone who could cash in should he win to be right there. Based on the chemistry between Becky and Seth, are we sure they aren't just friends? Or is it that Seth pissed Becky off last night, which is why it took way longer than should have been necessary to have her run out? What do you think of the on-screen chemistry between Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch? Uh, It would not surprise me if they're not crazy about this. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's very foreign to their characters to have romantic love interests on screen especially given their their characters yeah. so um i think if they were strictly acting and not even in a real life relationship you probably see some more na- like actually more natural interaction because then you would have an actual story building up the relationship instead it's just you know something being taken directly from life and it's got to be weird to you it's know it's very difficult to like have you know you're you're kind of like whatever four month five month old like boyfriend or girlfriend suddenly have to turn that into a character and a storyline yeah and weave it with your current character like that's uh, i think for becky especially like it's like her character you don't associate as you know you you don't even think of her as like having a boyfriend i do like the nickname though the man's man i think that's pretty clever oh well afterwards they had the photo of the two of them leaving and wwe used the hashtag brawlins like B R O. I'm like, oh, I don't even God. get it. Like, you just took one letter of her name. Well, that's what you do when you ship a couple. I'm sure you could do better than that. Like, I think so too. Like Rawlins. Rawlinch. Her Lynch. Lynch is her last name. Breath. <laughs> God. Okay. All right. We go. <laughs> Uh, he also says, overall, I could have made the drive to see this live. I used to complain that Vancouver never got any TV or pay-per-view, but I'm happy with my decision to not have. That was an incredibly weak main event, though I do kind of wish I could have seen Gulak finally, after so long, get rewarded. He absolutely deserved it. Andrew from Cape Breton. Good show tonight. It seemed that because this show in particular had received a lot of negativity, a lot of the wrestlers had their working boots on. Best of the, best match of the night was the opening cruiserweight match, and I was happy for Drew Gulak winning. I also thought Heavy Machinery kept up well with Brian and Rowan, and they had an excellent match despite the weird babyface heel dynamics. I thought they made that work. Oh, absolutely. I thought yep. they 
dealt, dealt with the curveball very well and probably wasn't that much of a curveball to them going in. No. That they knew what they were going to get and they worked around it and it was fine. It was a great performance from Brian and I thought Otis got a lot out of it too. The two lowlights were the awful Raw Women's title match and the main event. When I saw Lacey Evans was the guest referee, I thought that if she's as good of a referee as she is a wrestler, Seth Rollins was going to get screwed over. There's something about Baron Corbin that's just boring. He seems like he can put the moves together, but there's just something about him that's very off-putting. Anyway, I thought it was an overall great show, and most everyone worked their asses off because they didn't want them kicked and their names taken. 7 out of 10. We got a Gerard who said the show started off above expectations, but went downhill around Bailey versus Alexa. Kofi versus Ziggler was so dull. I briefly dozed off during it. The main event was an overbooked mess. That was an example of everything wrong with WWE these days. I did have a chuckle at the fact that Triple H inserted himself in the celebration of Ricochet's U.S. title win. Joey from Queens. I originally had no intentions for watching the show, but when your buddy calls you and offers free booze and food to watch the show, you really can't say no. Most of the matches were mostly boring, but some weren't actually that bad. However, the kiss of death was what I couldn't care less about any of the matches, with Joe Ricochet being a slight exception because they're killer workers. The highlight of the night was the Tacoma Dome chanting, he recycles and drive a Prius. Can't get much more babyface than that. Five out of ten. Sounds like Joey had a great night. Yeah, beer and free booze, sir. We got a JT who says, is Valor hurt? Also, do you guys think Big E is close to a big push? I get that feeling. Maybe Kofi loses to Reigns, and the story is Kofi couldn't beat Reigns, but Big E can. Uh, I haven't heard anything about Balor, and um, yeah, I just don't think he was figured in. He was also doing the program with Andrade, who has had some—he's had some unfortunate um, losses in his life. His mother and his aunt just passed away, so it almost feels like that program is just on hold. Um, and uh, and we had this quick turnaround; like they just didn't have a slot on on the show. Uh, do you think Big E is close to a big push? Mm, we always say that, and they don't really. Clearly, they don't want to separate the the new day. Um, I mean, it seems like his role right now is to be in a tag team with Woods. Maybe you know, do a rematch with. I think they should challenge Rowan and and uh, Brian. Yeah, for the belts, could do that. I mean, Biggie just peeling off, even not doing a breakup, just going the singles route. It's a numbers game at the moment. Like, there's so many people there um, that it's it's really tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's up? Me? Oh, it's you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, better than I expected. Although we left during the... T- oh, this is someone who was there live. This is uh, Hagaki. We left during the tag match to get ice cream. and came- Oh, they weren't there live. They just went to go get ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dolph Kofi was great for a cage match even. Main event was fun because I love to hate Baron and Lacey was so over the top. And it ended early so we could watch the, the main of Wrestle Circus, which was really nice of WWE. So there you go. Someone who was happy. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Um, I do like um mint chocolate. Mint chocolate. Yep. I've been obsessed with black sesame ice cream. Black sesame it's ice cream. Amazing. It's actually more expensive than the other kinds, but I highly black black sesame ice cream. All right, we got a Steve from BC who says. While it was not the best show ever, I thought this was a pretty solid outing from the WWE. Considering the interest level heading in, I thought they overachieved tonight. Aside from the SmackDown women's match, the crowd seemed to be into everything on the show. Standout matches for me were the Cruiserweight match, Ricochet and Joe, and I thought Roman and Drew was also very solid. As for the main event, while I still don't care for Baron Corbin and the spot he's in, I thought the selection of Lacey made sense to the story they were telling. 
I really didn't understand the crowd shitting all over this as bad as they did in the beginning. The match may have been a tad overbooked, but they got the reaction they wanted by the end, with Seth overcoming the odds and setting up a mixed tag for Extreme Rules. Six and a half out of ten. All right, Brian from New York, thumbs up show for me. With so many upper card stars sitting out this one, expectations were low, so I had fun with most of these matches. I've been enjoying the Kofi Championship run and thought it was a really creative way to end a cage match. Hopefully they have someone strong lined up for Kofi because he's been holding his own with some underwhelming feuds. Happy for Drew Gulak, who has been putting in the work for the last two years to get this to get to this point, thought it has been way overdue to get the title on him as he's been one of the best parts of 205 Live. The main event was handicapped by the booking and the number one contender, but story-wise, I thought they did a good job with the story and payoff considering how often they were signaling the Rollins-Lynch relationship. Now that Joe is free of the U.S. title, I'm hoping he turns into a strong opponent for Seth. I love the, like, the idea, like, you ditch the secondary title and it's a promotion. No, no. Like, you're lost. Like, yes, I lost this, this <laughs> albatross. On that note, I'm very excited to see where the club versus Ricochet goes. I'm hoping they don't waste the match prior to Extreme Rules, but we'll see. Do you think tonight's involvement of Triple H might mean he'll be involved in the feud going forward? They do have the promoted club and Triple H match scheduled for Japan later in the week, so there might be an opening for a storyline. Man, everyone's really... I didn't give too much thought to the the Paul Levesque thing, but um, clearly... I mean, he was there for a reason, I guess, to... Have some affiliation with some, Ricochet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we're just trying to think what the reason might be. Um, I'm also thinking back to the photo that they're probably going to use of like a very young Ricochet with like long hair posing with Triple H. All right. Is that everyone? Uh, Jay from Colorado adds, did you guys know that Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch are dating? Yeah. It has been made very clear. All right. That is it, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to our Stomping Grounds post-show. If you enjoy these, well, don't worry. We'll be back in three weeks, apparently, where all podcasts are created equal. That's right, here yeah. Here at the post office. But even beyond that, we're going to be back for a lot of these uh, weekend uh, pay-per-view reviews. Because next week, I'll be joined by Davey Portman. While John takes a little uh, weekend vacation, I'll be joined by Davey Portman to talk about AEW's Fighter Fest. And we'll be doing a live show uh, probably as soon as the, uh, well, it's close to when the pay-per-view ends. So uh, if you're a double-double uh, ice cap or a special patron, you have access to that. You can call us. You can do all this stuff. And it'll be a blast. Yes, we'll have the full schedule out on Monday. And then Way and I are back Monday night with Rewind to Raw, uh, followed by all of our regular shows, including the return of Rewind Away this Friday. And if you are tuning in and want to catch this magic live and in living color, Sunday, August the 11th, we are going to be at the John Candy Box Theater, located at Second City, downtown Toronto on Blue Jays Way. The show is the afternoon of SummerSlam, 1 p.m. start time. We're going to be doing a live podcast recording with a live Ask Away. We'll be doing a Q&A and a meet and greet immediately following, and you can get your tickets postwrestling.com forward slash live. Make sure it's a forward slash, not I, a backslash. I learned my lesson. I got, I got huh. yelled at by everybody. Forward slash live they should write forward like which way is forward which way is the wait this was a debate we had for like 20 minutes once yeah but whether why is it forward why is it why is it why is that not considered forward like it's is it pointing from the the front or the back or the top this is literally our i can't believe you don't remember this i don't remember half this the the archivist is going to dig in and he, he will remind everyone okay all right in the meantime go check out postwrestling.com thank you for supporting the Post Wrestling Cafe, and we will chat with you Monday after Raw.